right. This is Geeks Unleashed, episode 36. It's a giggly pleasure. <laughs> Definitely a dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed, episode 36. I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Stephen. Welcome back, Stephen. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> uh, okay, each week uh, we cover the news of the week and we pick a couple of things to review that call our fancy in TV. Oh, so I'm trying not to laugh. Um, so, <laughs> TV, comics, movies and games. This week's reviews are Radiant Black from Image Comics and Season 2 of Castlevania on Netflix. And spoiler warning, this is a review show, so if you have not had a chance to read Radiant Black, or if you have not watched Castlevania on Netflix, you might want to pause this and come back later. Uh, then at the very end, we'll give you a few recommendations of our own. So, news. Big yeah. news story this week. Oh, to Shocking so to no one. <laughs> well, I, I was a bit shocked by the amount of stuff, right? but anyway, you jump into it. Right. Nah. Shocking to no one. I'm going to stick with it. Shocking to no one. Joss Whedon is a dick. Um, so we've got more sort of proof or confessionals, however you'd like to say them. We've got more, more actresses that have stepped forward. Uh, Ray Fisher has kind of been holding down the torch for what happened on the set of the Justice League for a while now. But, uh, today we had, well, not today, but this week we had, um, actresses from Buffy, uh, Charisma Carpenter, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Eliza Dushku, Emma Caulfield's. Uh, even Michelle Trashenberg um, and Amber Benson all kind of came out with their own statements about Joss Whedon and the antics that he got up to on set and the um, how the accusations were true, what it was like on the set for the women of Buffy and Angel. Um, I mean, I, I, read it, I read all of the statements and um, Sarah Michelle Gellar, obviously the most professional among them was, look, you know, I love the character of Buffy. I'll always want to be associated with the character of Buffy, but I will no longer be associated with Joss Whedon. However, she goes, I'm not making any further comments on this as I'm prioritizing my family during this current time. And I, I know I, I like I liked her stance on it was, you know, supportive, but actually, you know, but I've got my family, you know, COVID and all that stuff. You know, but the thing first. is, like a lot of times fans feel guilt over liking something when the person involved is is not a good person. Like you know, I mean, if you take Woody Allen, for instance, Woody Allen, Woody Allen's not a great guy either. Uh, but there's always the conflict of the people that are like, oh, but I love his films, but he's a terrible person. Um, but it's not really the burden isn't on the fans to sort of it's not our job to feel guilty. Right. Like lots of people enjoyed Buffy. I loved Angel, loved it. But that does not mean that I have to give Joss Whedon a pass. Like it doesn't mean that I can't be. Or, you know, I can't want him to be held accountable for the, the terrible things that he's done. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I shouldn't be shamed because I enjoyed Angel. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard because talent and, uh, and morality, are, they're, they're not intertwined really um, at all. You know, yeah. and it's like, I mean, Joss Whedon is without a doubt one of the most talented script doctors, writers, creators in Hollywood. But like... <sighs> Harvey Weinstein set up a lot of really good meetings. You know what I mean? It's like just because you can do something, that doesn't mean that you're you're a fantastic. Right. It doesn't person. excuse your abuse of power yeah. in yeah. order and to get that thing done. Well, and honestly, it's too, man. He he created Buffy in the '90s. I mean, that's almost 30 years ago now, and like, <clears throat> um, it 
his behavior has only aged worse and worse. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, anyway, it's, it's a shame. Um, no matter how you look at it. I think the most disturbing comment I read was Michelle Trachtenberg. Uh, oh man. Uh, I mean, that was, was, I mean, that's a terrible. It's a terrible comment. So there's a rule basically saying he's not allowed in the room with Michelle ever again. Um, that, that's something she put out on her Instagram. Now, I, I mean, we can obviously read whatever we want from that and, um, whether or not we find out more about that, I'm not sure any of us would want to know. But um, it's, yeah. she was 15 at the time, so it's, well, yeah, I, I don't. I don't like to think what that comment means. So um, I just hope she's okay. And if anyone has ever suffered abuse, just make sure you speak to someone. That's all I can say. So um, yeah. and it's good that people are finally speaking up about it because it's always hard to be the first person to say something. So mm. the, the more people you can kind of have in your corner, not that it lends validity to what you're saying. It's just sort of there's power in numbers. Yeah. So, yeah, well, and it's for ages and ages, the rule with relationships was if they don't say no, it's fine. But that, that that's is incorrect. That's reality. No, it's, <laughs> that it's is absolutely yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're kind of discovering that paradigm, how long that was in place in Hollywood and it's, and other places. Anyway, it's, yeah. <sighs> um, I think we'll probably like. I, I, actually, just one thing I'd say is, yeah, you know, I obviously like you and everyone was a massive fan of Angel and Buffy, and I think it's going to be difficult to, you know, people will wrestle with themselves about it. But I like the fact that Sarah and Michelle Geller did say, "I'm happy to be associated with the character, but not with the creator." Um, yeah. And I was actually thinking. Just because he's done wrong, actually, there's some fantastic actors that were involved in both shows, mm-hmm. um, and even Firefly and Dollhouse, and you know, like, uh, and, he, and you know, and he was obviously involved in a lot of stuff. You know, the first, first and second Avengers movie, like, um, there's, there's fantastic things that he's been behind. But if you look at there's other writers in there and other uh, actors, and you know, we we can enjoy those actors and. Someone yeah, else so. can do what he did is what it boils down to. Like yeah. if, if that's the way that he behaves in order to get these things done, someone else can definitely step in and, and make them happen. It, it doesn't have to be him is basically what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, uh, okay. and uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's talk about something a bit nicer and um, move on to CW. They've ordered pilots for Powerpuff Girls um, live action series, which just sounds nuts and um uh they're also rebooting the 4400 which i think oh i can't remember what tv twitch show it used to be on but it was a long time ago now i think it was on uh, usa yeah so yeah over yeah so i used to love 4400 um i was really disappointed it, i think it went on four seasons and it ended on cliffhanger and got cancelled as as these things go um hopefully bring it back I'm sure they, you know, and, and hopefully maybe move past that point They've also ordered a Naomi pilot, which is based off a miniseries by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, DC Comics. And some sad news with this, they are also not moving forward with the Wonder Girl TV series, which would be part of the Arrowverse. So, which is a bummer. Yeah, I was looking forward to that. But she is getting her own comic coming out as part of the New Frontiers um, thing coming out um, in a couple of months. Have you read? Did you read any Wonder Girls, Stephen? Uh, Wonder Woman, even for. 
Um, honestly, I haven't in a very long time. Um, not probably not since George Perez <laughs> was on Wonder Woman. <laughs> so, well, because uh, she got what she got two issues for Future State, but she's getting her own yeah. um, comic coming out in a couple of months for called Wonder Girl, uh, yeah. which was meant to be timed with um, the TV, well, hopefully some TV series, but it doesn't allow us going forward. Yeah, but the stuff they've done with Wonder Woman and Future State has been really uh, pretty amazing. Um, awesome character designs and cool story concepts. Mm-hmm. Yara Floor is great. I love her. Yeah. I haven't I haven't read a character that fun in a long time. Yeah, and Joel Jones. Joel Jones is cool. Like oh, her art. I love Joel Jones. Story. I love Joel Jones so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, out of those pilots, though, any any particular ones you guys excited for? I'm interested to see what they do with a live action Powerpuff Girls because I how do you, you make Mojo that. Jojo live action? I mean, honestly. I don't he's, know a, he's a monkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and <clears throat> honestly, the I'm kind of curious about Naomi. Uh, if for, for no other reason than I think comics as a medium like thrives on new. You know what I mean? Back in the day, every issue had a new villain or a new hero or a new power, new costume. You know what I mean? So when I think that there's just not enough new concepts kind of being churned around in in the big Marvel and DC universes. So I'm kind of excited to see. I'm excited about Naomi, Naomi because Ava DuVernay is attached to it. So oh, yeah. she she is great in my book. So I yeah. I love anything that she does. Pretty much, I'm still super huh? excited about her. Um, what the, the DC series with the gods, the old gods? Yeah, new gods. Yeah, so, or new gods. Yep. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see what she does with that. Yeah, it's well, it's a it's a really crazy high concept kind of space opera from Kirby, like which yeah. given my love of Mass Effect, I am a fan of space opera. It yeah. stuff. Well, yeah, man. Well, it's it's. I mean, it's got some like Shakespearean and biblical kind of uh, through lines that it's really epic, <clears throat> and nobody's really done it much justice since he passed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm excited to see what she does with it. Yeah, so I'd be excited to see Naomi. Yeah. All right, CW. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that moves on to me. So uh, it's been bubbling for, for many months. Uh, Gina Carano recently, her online activity has been very divisive, and uh, it's raised a lot of a lot of eyebrows on both sides of, of uh, political perspectives. And just uh, there have been hashtags on both sides just – either saying crying their her support their support for her perspectives or for condemning them uh disney uh finally released a statement um essentially distancing themselves away from some of her more radical um perspectives and uh, articulated opinions um the statement was gina Carano's not currently employed by lucasfilm there are no plans for her to be in the future Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. And it's, um, it's, yeah, <clears throat> uh, it's hard too because a lot of a lot of her social media activity is less vocal and it's more liking things that are just really rough. Um, like, anyway, just the, this kind of passive, um, this kind of passive endorsement of things that that uh, I don't know. I, if she's surprised by this, I'm I, I can't imagine why. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been going on for a while, and this yeah. this is a rumor, but the rumor was that Disney was, well, Disney, Lucasfilm, was, yeah. during the conference that they had a few months ago, they were planning to release more information about a standalone series for her character from The Mandalorian. 
they held off back then and mm-hmm. it's probably because she's been she's been making waves with her social media for a while now i would say it's been a good year and a half at the very least mm-hmm. um but it it's kind of one of those things like when people move to the parlor platform yeah is is anyone on that platform not a racist or a bigot or a prejudice in some kind of way i mean it just seems like that's it's the new 4chan right like it's it's the place to go to to say those awful things to people that you wouldn't be able to say in quote unquote polite society right um so i mean better late than never i guess would be the sentiment on on lucasfilm and disney's part but she's been at this for a while and i think the last straw was just kind of she felt so persecuted that she compared her plight to the plight of the jews and during the holocaust and it's kind of like you know you don't get to make that comparison it's just it's ridiculous it's absurd it's asinine it doesn't make any sense and it it doesn't apply to you yeah you you opened your mouth in a public forum and then when people said that they disagreed with what you had to say now now you're upset about it and it's like well i mean again we were talking about this before we started recording but like when you have a platform or when you have access to a platform keep your mouth shut I mean, yeah. you could have yeah. been on this Lucasfilm <clears throat> Disney gravy train, but no, you opened your big fat mouth and now like it's all gone. I mean, just think if she'd have kept her mouth shut, like you just said, she could have had her own series. And, you know, you get stuff with Disney and Marvel and it's a good, I mean, you pretty like say you're, you're on a train for the next five or 10 years of your right. career. They, and They sign everybody to multi-year contracts, <laughs> yeah. right? Like nobody has a one and done kind of Disney thing. Yeah. Anyway, good riddance. Yeah, like she would, yeah, she would have been set. So, <laughs> um, moving on to some other news, which is I get it, I like how we've like broken this up. It was terrible, good, terrible, and now <laughs> like, um, I'm glad we didn't just do both two terrible things. So, the Last of Us uh, live action series, um, which is going to be on HBO Max, has found two leads: um, Pedro Pascal from Star Wars and Mandalorian. Uh, will be playing Joel and Bella Ramsey, who we know from Game of Thrones, will be playing Ellie. What are your guys' thoughts? <laughs> um, I'm okay with it. If I'm being totally transparent, though, I haven't. I've played uh, the original Last of Us, um, but my video game skill is <clears throat> is not. Um, I'm not strong in video <laughs> games. <laughs> like I usually make it an hour, two hours in, and then I, I hit a point where I can't get any further so i don't have a heavy investment here i love the story and the concept and i i don't have a big issue with the casting i think pedro Pascal can do some cool some cool some good acting you know <laughs> i don't know much about the, her. the man of the moment oh, yeah, people can't get enough pedro pascal right now i yeah, wonder yeah. if that's how he got this role was because yes. of his man of the moment the answer status. is yes <laughs> uh, i want oh yeah i'm i think it literally was a who should we get and then it was yeah. like, well, Pedro, like, yeah. I bet he probably didn't even audition. At least, uh, yeah. At least it's not like a Tom Cruise or some. Oh, thank God. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, you could see them doing that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, well, but, he wouldn't do TV, but yeah, like. Oh, um, that's right. It is a series. Yeah, well, yeah. and I will say the one thing about Pedro Pascal that I like is he has a, uh, he's a handsome guy, but he has like this this weathered look to him that I think mm-hmm. plays well for that character. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because Joel is like beat to hell by the end of yeah, the man. series. Like, no joke. <laughs> yeah. um, now, okay, so before before we started, I I told you guys I had my own casting list of uh, who I <laughs> who I think would have worked just as well. Now, my my Ellie is a bit older, 
So I don't really know that, that that jives so much with the first game when she's when she's pretty young. But uh, my pick would have been Caitlin Deaver. I think she's great. Um, loved her in Booksmart. Loved her in Justified. Um, she she can play that sort of desolate, quiet character so well. And I think she would have been a perfect, perfect Ellie. Also, I have no problem with Ashley Johnson, who is the voice of Ellie. Um, I, I mean, I, you know, she's been playing the character for long enough anyway. I think she's, she could have been a great Ellie as well. And my choice for Joel would have been uh, Boyd Holbrook if they were going to go that kind of route. Yeah, I, <clears throat> honestly, I'd never heard of Caitlin Deaver, but um, yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I, know, I, I was going to say, I, I was disappointed by the news of both leads. Um, yeah. mate, I, think, I think it's because I played the first game and I've played it through twice. I love The Last of Us. So yeah. like, you kind of build up a visual sort of image of what you'd want. And I guess I'm honest, no actor or actress really fit what I was looking for. Um, I would actually have quite liked it if they'd have found a way to make, like you just said, uh, Jasmine, about Ashley Johnson. Like, I think that would have, she... At least we would have had the voice like, mm. on TV. Um, but I was thinking about it. I think if I was to have done the casting, I would have got Hugh Jackman um, as Joel. Um, and I think Millie Bobby Brown would have been a good Ellie. Ooh, Millie Bobby it. Brown. Yeah, that would have been great. Look I think she could have... Crushing the Ellie cast. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 um, so I would, yeah, I would have been, maybe, do you know what they could have done? Was got Ellie and then dubbed her with Ashley's voice. <laughs> and I probably would have. No. What about now? Honestly, I'm joking. I think, I, I don't know. It's going to be really just, just jarring, yeah. jarring for me, just not having their voices. Like, um, I don't know. I, even when I hear about Uncharted and I hear about the castings, I'm like, no, just, just... Yeah, but see, I think Uncharted did it right because they went with the young Nathan Drake, so you're not going to have Nathan Drake's voice in your head because yeah. they're starting young. No, maybe... Yeah, maybe they could have... Do you know what, though? They could have done something like... Maybe they could do something like that with Uncharted. Like, I mean, not Uncharted, sorry, with uh, like Last of Us. Because we obviously jumped from Joel seeing his daughter die it's 20 years later mm -hmm. you know maybe we could have had a young joel which we could have been more accepting of and maybe led up to the ellie story like i don't know you know um, who also would have been a good joel except now he's busy with the boys jensen ackles so i yeah. think uh, he's kind of got the features that joel has from the game yeah yeah he would have been good i think what it comes down to is none of us are too happy with this casting news <laughs> but, but... We, we i mean i'm i'm my my issue with uh, Bella is can can she drop her accent? Uh, that's that's just that's my only question. Can you drop your accent? You know what? Like um, you always hear about this. Like I remember when Ben Affleck got cast as Batman, and the and the internet just just went mental. <laughs> um, like, uh, and he was alright as Batman. He was a lot better than people give him credit for. Like, he I, was I'm... miles better than George Clooney. Let's be honest here. Oh well, yeah. I mean. It's, <laughs> Doesn't like, take, it doesn't take much. Uh, yeah, yeah man. I, mean, I, I think Affleck did a, a really good um, Daredevil two in when he played Batman. Daredevil two, <laughs> Steven. I, he was not good as Batman. I know that that's harsh. He was no, no he was a guy. good Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he, he was, was great. No, he, was, he was not a good Batman. No, but he was better than we thought he was going to be. I think we thought. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be awful, and he yeah. wasn't. He wasn't Christian Bale Batman. 
but he wasn't Wait. George Clooney Batman. Like, he was probably in the He's middle. He's like Val Kilmer Batman. Well, you know what I'm, t- oh, what I'm tired of? Val Kilmer still pretty bad Batman. Like, Speaking of like. Jensen Ackles, what I'm tired of are – I love Jensen Ackles. Supernatural is one of my favorite shows. But one of the things that drives me crazy are these these actors that are already kind of rugged looking, mm-hmm. just kind of deepening their voice and slowing down and staring. To, I mean, that's that's my beef with Affleck as Batman. Batman doesn't have to slow down and look no. at the camera and talk. Because Michael you know Keaton I mean? was not that Batman, which is what I don't understand. It's like, where the hell are you guys getting this voice from? <laughs> you you want to be nuts? You want to go nuts? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Well, well, if you watch Batwoman, her voice is the same. Like, whether she's like, and that's both, that's both actresses. Like, they, you know. Yeah. Um, and even like, um, I, uh, that's not true. Kate Kane and uh, Dylan Wilder have a voice no, box they don't. Tr- thingy. Yes, they do. Well, well no, but, but maybe they gave up with using it then. They, <laughs> they, like, they, 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 no, maybe Kate Kane did it at the beginning, but, uh, but she definitely went to a normal voice in the end. Like, <laughs> uh, but, but no, um, uh, what's it? Ryan Wilder. Like I was, I haven't actually, I started episode three the other day, but I haven't actually, I think I've got about 10 minutes in. I'll be honest. I was doing something, but I, and actually I did think she's just talking about a normal voice. So yeah. that annoys, that kind of annoys me. Like <laughs> it annoys me more when, so I, I rewatched um, season one of Daredevil this week and, mm-hmm. um, which is just amazing. And like, but he's yeah. Matt Murdock's got the same voice whether he's Daredevil or Matt Murdock. And I, and it annoys me more when he's talking to people he knows. Cause I'm like, well, Stephen, yeah. if you put a mask on, I'd know it's fucking you. Like, yeah, because I'd laugh every other sentence. I mean, that's why. I mean, I do get the whole Christian Bale having a gruff voice thing because, well, yeah, yeah, like, kind of maybe slightly makes people not real, you know, realize it's him. So, well, anyway. I mean, he, yeah. Sorry, I'm tangenting. No, no, that's fine. Let's move on from The Last of Us. <laughs> All right, last, last bit of HBO Max news. Uh, it, they've also announced a big slate of sort of like adult animation stuff. Um, two of the big ones that they're redoing, they're doing a reboot of Clone High. It's already been picked up for two seasons. It does have Phil Lord and Chris Miller returning. Um, but this one is going to be sort of like an older version of the kids from Clone High. Um, and they're also doing a Velma Velma Dinkley standalone series, Velma from Scooby-Doo. And Velma is going to be voiced by Mindy Kaling, which I think is pretty badass. Um, Some of the other things that they announced are shows called Fired on Mars, Hello Paul, Obi, Uncanny Valley, and Cover. So HBO Max is doubling down on that animation. And I wonder if it's because they picked up all of the DC stuff from DC Universe because they've renewed Harley Quinn. They're doing another season of Doom Patrol. They're doing another season of Titans. So... I mean, the last two aren't animated, but still. Yeah. Well, and I know that, I mean, they're very hungry for content. Right? Yeah. So they got to make that $15 a month price worth it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to the Thelma and um, the, the Scooby-Doo live action thing. I think that'd be pretty cool. No, it's animated. It's not live oh, action. Oh, it's animated. Oh, sorry. I thought you, sorry. Apologies. Yeah. I thought you said it was live action. But... No, no, it's animated. It's a Velma, <sighs> Velma Origins series that's oh. animated <laughs> but it probably will be like higher like not is it going to be kid friendly or is it more is i it... don't know that's the thing with hbo max because when when they picked up the uh harley quinn series from dc universe i mean harley quinn series drops up bombs so i'm not yeah i'm not so sure that that's going to be kid friendly yeah i actually not to um I actually heard that there that there's a, a big rumor they're going to extend Batman the Animated Series, um, which would be uh, pretty. Yeah, I had that. I had God. that as well. 
That would be so, awesome. Yeah, honestly, that would be, I mean, just on principle, I would, I would keep it for 10 years. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine, I mean, like, since it's HBO, like, they're probably going to do stuff that's in the vein of something like a family guy, but maybe a, a step above family guy. So yeah yeah hopefully you're talking about a separate thing and not the extension of batman <laughs> god no please please, please, please the last thing i want to see is batman fighting a freaking chicken in the yeah. streets of gotham come on yeah uh, it depends on the chicken <laughs> okay, um you know like you know you said that 15 dollar thing hbo max like i don't know about you but like we've at home we've cut like we don't have normal tv anymore got rid of it don't have sky sky cable whatever we literally just have amazon yep. disney um netflix netflix and like um, and and now disney is going to be adding star over here in about a month's time like and so <laughs> like me and my wife saying we just literally like someone came around the house last year and they were like can we put on like whatever channel it was i was like no I can see though that's just the way things are going to go just... yeah but you know what if you think about it this way so well I mean I don't know if this is going to apply forever going forward but because of corona and the WB's commitment to releasing things on HBO Max and in theaters at the same time one movie ticket to a night showing is 12 to 15 yeah. bucks anyway so with the 17 movies that they're planning to release over HBO Max over the next year and a half, like it almost pays for itself because now I don't have to go to a movie theater to watch these movies because I can watch them on HBO Max. Yeah. I reckon though, once things are calmed down, they'll stop doing that on the on the app and they'll just do it in cinema and then they'll move it to the, the yeah. They'll make more money by just putting it in the theater. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I saw a news article earlier about how Disney don't reckon the parks will be mask-free until 2022. So I think they'll ride out this year with that whole um, app and um, app and theatre release, uh, joint release date. Mm -hmm. But come 2022, people are going to want to make that money back, man. Like, people have lost a lot of money in the last eight, in the last 12 months. Yeah. And the next 12 if months. If movie theatres probably... can hold out until 2022. Well, yeah, but then if they don't, then there'll always be someone to take their place and there might be new movie theaters. Somebody might come along and just buy them all up and start yeah. again. They're good money makers. So yeah. people, they're not going to want to make these Hollywood big budget movies and just stick them on streaming apps. Well, yeah, unless uh, the they only... all move to that Disney model where you pay for the premium content. So like you're already yeah. paying for the service. But if you want to see this movie now before everybody else does, well, you pay your 30 bucks. Yeah, people yeah. paying that now because we can't go anywhere, but I'm not going to pay that like once I'm allowed out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the only the only um, fear that I would have is if uh, one of these large streaming services sweeps in and, and buys some of the larger movie chains like AMC. That would be a that would be a bad thing, I think, for competition and for. Um, for just anyway, they just having another massive corporation involved in that mm. that whole situation. <laughs> so yeah too much power but anyway, let's wrap up this week's news of the week there was quite a few bits there and uh, <laughs> yeah. there, there, were, there was far more we could have covered but um it's the news of the week not not the uh not not the news of the day so um our first review is a comic that's kind of blown up a little bit for various reasons and um so in over here in the UK, we've not had any comics arrive because of the, the bad weather in North America. And I say bad, it's... Or vortex it's, Arctic weather. Yeah. Uh, 
So we've not had any comics arrive. Normally, me and Jasmine have this ongoing thing about how she reads digitally, and I always read <laughs> always read paper comics. And this week, I've had to read digital because <laughs> there's like no comics arrived this week, um, which has meant this comic has kind of I've seen online because I'm in quite a few comic book groups on Facebook and stuff like that buy and sell comics and that, and I've seen loads of people have been trying to get this comic, and I keep thinking it's not even here yet. I was like, what, what are you trying to buy? Like, it's not it's not here till next week. Like, yeah. and uh, and people like on eBay, they're they're selling they're selling it, but they clearly don't have it to sell. And like the price over here in the UK, that is, and the price is going up. Um, but didn't you say, Jasmine, it's already gone? Back to uh, print. Second, yeah, back to print. And it's yep. only, so that's obviously based off sales in the in America, I would imagine, rather than everywhere else. So Radiant Black, first issue by Carl Higgins. So Carl Higgins, writer, uh, Marcelo, Marcelo Costa as the artist. And I've got to say, the cover is probably my favourite thing about this whole book. I'm not, not completely saying this is a terrible book but i just love the cover uh the like the cover a uh, you guys you guys what are your thoughts on the cover before we jump into anything else yeah it's um the design is amazing it's got that nice uh kind of angled composition i love the the contrast of the the logo and stuff that yeah, costume I love the design font. oh yeah, yeah the font's man. amazing I, <laughs> yeah. Lo I love how they've incorporated the logo uh, the logo sort of the round disc into the the wording as well yeah. as on his suit and he's holding that in his hands um yeah I like I like the suit kind of makes me feel like a bit like a video game like Tron or something like that. Um, yeah. It's yeah no it's a pretty cool design, um, and and then so the book is sort of a whistle stop tour through this guy called Nathan's life, as well as an origin story of how he gets some ability. Well, he gets this well, suit which gives him abilities um, in the first issue. I thought this book was okay. Like, you know, it was, I think it, it probably didn't deserve the hype that it's had. Um, and that could be just a case of FOMO, you know, maybe people have not, you know, mainly here in the UK, I think people haven't got it. And they, and I, I have noticed this in comics, like if, if people suddenly all jump on it, then everybody wants it. And, you know, um, you know, these things kind of then end up in a second print, maybe slightly unnecessarily, but, um, and then, and then two or three months down the line, it's all back to the normal price again, because people have moved on. Um, so the realism parts of this book, which uh, I was a bit like, do I really want to read this? Like, you know, I was not expecting <sighs> that. Like when, when it opens up and he's like, he's a rideshare driver, but he's looking at his phone, yeah. and, like his bank account, I guess. And he's kind of like, $38,000 of credit card credit debt. Card and debt. I'm like, oh, geez, holy crap. But like, and, uh, and 40 pounds in his account. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, oh, and, uh, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then, it, and then he, yeah, and he, like you say, he moves in with his parents. <laughs> and like, basically, the first four or five pages is really, I, I guess what they were trying to do is really drive it home that this guy is in a bad way. Like, yeah. uh, and then throughout the book, they really, they, from start to finish, they hammer home every bad thing. You know, he, he's a writer and he's constantly going to everyone about he's a writer. But by, by the time we get to the end of the book, he admits that he's basically written hardly anything in four years. I think, I think he's probably got to put his hands up and say he's probably not a writer. Like, so, <laughs> Uh, like if he hasn't written anything for four years, you know, there's probably got to be a problem somewhere. Uh, so he had a successful bunch of short stories 
and he keeps going about how he's writing a bigger story based off of his most popular short story. Um, we haven't really got into the ins and outs of how he got all this debt. And like you say, he's driving sort of a, what do you call it? A, a, right share, music, like Uber, Russia. Lyft, whatever, something uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, we haven't got that over here, but yeah. Uh, we got Uber, but not the others, I think. Um, I don't know anyway, but um, I never use any of those. I've just used my car. Like, so, <laughs> uh, um, but so it's sort of, you know, it's set in Illinois. And it's got some bad weather to kick in. And, you know, like you say, moving with the parents. And then they got this jerky dude who shows up best by... friend former best friend like it's hard to really tell but like this guy seems super attached to the main character yeah <laughs> so they end up at a bar which i find a bit weird considering he's got no money i mean he well obviously pay... he just moved back his best friend <laughs> is treating him to beer yeah that's <laughs> do you know what straight away like that's what i thought i was like you know because his opening line is his mates like thirty eight thousand dollars like yeah like, like yeah. and then he's like, yeah and he's like you shitting me yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, i mean you know if you really are thirty eight thousand dollars in debt and you've got no income i mean at this point you've got to probably go and speak to a debt counselor like i know like i'm you know get some help like and, and that's actually something i always say to people don't bury your head in the sand if you've got problems like this money problems don't hide it going like, and I, like i'm speaking seriously now like you know if you have got money problems like i, I remember i've had conversations with a few people about this over the years like yeah but a lot of people are can... too embarrassed to and that it seems like hot. that's what nathan's problem is like he's just yeah. too embarrassed to admit like this is a problem and i need help because then yeah. him and his best friend marshall they have like this big blowout about it and he's like i never asked for your help i never asked for anybody else's help and it's like okay relax like it is hard. Like it's hard. Things like money problems are a hard things to talk about. People hate talking about money problems. Like, like you know, no, yeah. none of us are million. None, you know, that's why they call them the one percent because one percent of the population in, in the world is wealthy, and the rest of us just have to get on by. Like, yeah. and um, at one point or another, we've all had no money, and it's a horrible thing to say. I've got no money, and so I kind of like get where he is because you know, you know, I'm. Now, yeah, his character is extremely relatable because we have definitely all had those moments where you look at your bank account and you're like, um, so which <laughs> which bill am I not going to pay this month? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yeah so yeah, and, and actually, yeah, I, I love the fact that he's like some beer or something or other costs twelve dollars, and he's like, man, if you buy a beer that's twelve dollars, you deserve to be in debt. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest, I hate it. Like, I don't know. I, like you guys have probably been into big cities like New York or uh, you know London, when you walk into one of those bars and you're like, you don't even expect to walk up to the bar and you're like, oh, can I have two, whatever? And they're like, yeah, that's twenty quid, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like two yeah. bits. Like, yeah. And we're like, okay, we'll have one and we'll move somewhere else. Like, so I <laughs> uh, did not know that was going to be twenty quid for two drinks. Like, and um, I, you know, I'm, I'm at an age where I'd rather just go to the pub around the corner where I can buy yeah, like a definitely. beer for like four or five quid. Like, and um, anyway, do you know what? I remember when I first started buying beers a long time ago. It was like two pound fifty. Like, so, but not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Those were the days. Uh, those were the days, yeah. So they leave this bar, right? And um, I do love the whole thing that Marshall is drunk when they leave. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. actually quite funny. Uh, yeah, because again, it's like more relatable moments. Like, you yeah. know, it, it is relatable. Maybe I've been about harsh as, uh, harsh as this. Uh, I may have been quite harsh in my opinion. Uh, beginning to change my mind a little bit as I'm talking <laughs> it through. Reminiscent. Yeah, as I'm going through it, I'm like, I've been there, you know. 
Um, and then it's all snowy. It's quite a nice little moment. And then yeah, but he goes weird. back on all of his words because he had been telling Nathan the whole time, it's not so bad. Like, yeah, you move home, you live with your parents, but I swear, like, our hometown is totally different now. It's not as bad as it used to be. <laughs> and then he gets drunk and he's like, this sucks. I hate this place. <coughs> and Nathan yeah. is like, you just told me it was great. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I love the whole. They walk out there, and instantly the soberness kind of kicks back into both of them as they see that weird orb floating up above the tracks. So it's like taken. I want to say it's a third with third of the book in before we get the we get the sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So, which I think is a good part of the book. You know, it's a good, I think it's good that we've had a third without the superhero bit enough to lay the groundwork a little bit because. In a single issue, there's only so much they can do because, you know, if they don't introduce any superheroics, that'll annoy people. And so a third, we've got a third of the way in. And then they see the orb. I have to say, it is a pretty cool moment when Nathan leans out to touch the orb. Um, first of all, I do like, first of all I do, if yeah. I was hanging out with my friends and we had all been drinking and we all see the same thing hovering midair, I wouldn't let anybody touch it. We're like, um, no, let's let's just go the other way and pretend we didn't see anything. <laughs> I might consider like poking it with a stick. No, no, wow. no, 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 no. <laughs> Nothing good ever comes from that. <laughs> yeah, it's. I did. I did like the double page spread though. So he yeah, that was really orb. cool. The double page spread. He touches the orb, and it completely like. It is a very Power Rangers, Transformers. It's very 90s, isn't it? Like, you know, the whole uh, thing. I thought it was a pretty cool moment where he becomes a superhero. However, the next page, I didn't really like the artwork of the next page where you see him in the full suit. I don't know. Again, it was 90s. It was very 90s art. Um, He looks really small. Like, once the suit is on, it's almost like, you know, most of these suits, like, enhance people's characteristics, but he looks much much smaller in the suit than he did without it well it's that big it's the the proportions on the head because Mm -hmm. he has that helmet it makes it you know what i mean because kids naturally have bigger heads it just kind of (laughs) de-ages him yeah i agree he looks like a very muscular 12 year old (laughs) that's actually probably close to what it does look like actually so like yeah he's Mm -hmm. he's almost like the thing turned him into a child yeah, yeah. The, the way it's been drawn, it's very badly angled, potentially. So mm-hmm. I guess they were trying to go for a full page spread of him in the suit, but also show Marshall. Yeah. Probably unnecessary. They could have just shown him. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And then it's sort of this weird moment happens. The police show up and and, and it's I, I, I actually thought this is very forced, the whole train track thing, them get off the train track. Oh, well, you don't need to tell us to get off the train track. You know, we've, yeah. we've got the right to be where we want to be. And I was like, why have they been dicks now? Like, they're on a, they're yeah. on a train they're on a train track. Of course you get off a train track. Like, you know, <laughs> um, and the train's coming. Can they not hear the train? I know he just gained some superpowers, but just get off the train track. Like, And I, when I was, like, reading this scene, I was just like, this is very forced, yeah. like, all of this. And then suddenly... Uh, Nathan's new abilities kick in and the train's up in the air and all the rest of it. And, uh, and you know, they kind of end up getting away and, uh, you know, they end up sort of letting the police go and then they fly off into the city and, you know, they end up, like you say, they end up on a rooftop and um, having a bit of a heart-to-heart. And that was sort of a bit of a nice moment. Um, but I don't know, it's, it, it felt rushed. That's probably like that whole bit from when he gets the power. So I think the first um, third of the book where the realism part of it 
actually was quite nice because they don't really have, I don't really find that they put too much realism, like real realism, like money problems, moving home. You don't really see that too much in books. So it was all quite relatable. But then the whole from the superpowers to the end was very, I guess, rushed from my my perspective. Um, what about you? How, how do you both feel about this? Jasmine? <laughs> I, so like when I first started reading this book, I I seriously thought to myself like I did not sign up to read about what happened to me like 10 years ago like this like minus the whole like writer thing but it was like I had moved out went to college moved to LA and then had sort of sort of like a I don't know you want to call it a breakdown a financial crisis whatever you want to call it anyway I left LA moved back home with my parents but I was 25 when I moved home and it was definitely one of those like I am a failure. Like this sucks. I'm never going to amount to anything. So like that whole part at the beginning with Nathan moving back home, I was like, I don't want to read about my past life. Like, yeah. This, so that was, that was super interesting. And I was not prepared for that part of it. Um, but I mean, I, I kind of enjoyed the, Oh my God, I have no idea what to do with this aspect. Like, you know, sometimes pe people discover like, oh, no, I, I touched this thing and now I have these awesome powers, but oh, I have to put them to good use. But these guys are like, well, well, shit, we got this power. Like, what do we do with it now? You know, like they, they have no idea. Yeah. They're completely clueless on on what to do with it. Um, I did like the, the color play in yeah. in the book it's because, awesome. yeah, when they introduced the this hero alien, I don't know what to call it, this this character his colors are sort of like a black and white scheme. By the end mm. of the book, they introduce a brand new character, same outfit, same helmet, same everything, except their colors are red and black. And yeah. this person is seen like robbing a bank in a totally different city. And it's like, <sighs> okay, I can see. Like, I can see that the guy who writes for Power Rangers would definitely be like hellbent yeah. on playing with colors and, and different colors meaning different things. So um, I think color, like the coloring more so than the art itself, like the coloring in this book was really, really my favorite part. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely enjoyed that. Plus, like I said, the, the mix of, of realism I was not expecting because it it was it's it's rare that you read a comic and you're like, oh, my God, I can totally relate to this. But like I read this, <laughs> I, like the first third of this book, I was like, oh, my God, I know exactly how that feels. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, am I cutting you off? I'm, no, yeah. no. Okay, so I have a lot of opinions, but I'll try and get through them pretty quick. But <laughs> so it breaks down just like both of you guys, the art and the writing. So <clears throat> for me, uh, I think Ryan Otley is probably one of the the most talented comic artists working in the industry right now, and he has uh, inspired so many uh, pencilers in their approach to the way they draw figures. But the the big difference between Ryan Otley, he's a He's an artist on Amazing Spider-Man right now, or the artist on Amazing Spider-Man right now. He also worked on Invis Invincible when Robert Kirkman launched that title. And you can see his influence across comics right now. But Ryan Otley is, not only are his figures naturally dynamic, they're very angular, very clean lines, um, but he knows how to compose panels. Um, panels are off angle. He challenges his, his approach to perspective. His storytelling is very solid. And while the art in this book was really nice, when it comes to like accurate figures, well represented um, and well laid out panel work um, and that those kinds of things, the line quality was really good. The inking was really good. The panels just lacked that dynamic element. So like you have these really these characters that are built for a dynamic scene, but if you look through the book, They're every panel is 
yeah, every panel is straight up and down. And that is, um, so especially like Mark, when you were talking about the big reveal of the, of um, Radiant Black in his uniform, like that should have been like a slightly off angle with like his buddy, like his buddy's figure is arranged great in that panel. It's just the fact that it's just a straight on shot like you're standing there and comics have a power to move the camera anywhere you want that's one of the things stan lee used to say you're the director put the camera where you want it make it interesting you know what i mean um so that was that was all i had to say about the art i, I thought the color was awesome i think the penciler is really strong he's just not as dynamic as as this book really needed because it's the summary like the concept of a hero who gets his powers from like a, a black hole whether it's a mini black hole or whatever it is that's an that's a really dynamic set up you know what i mean those pages should have been like whoa um and then the writing i so like if it's funny man decompressed storytelling feels so fast but that's because so little happens you know mm -hmm. what i mean so if you break down what happens in this issue you have a guy moves home with his parents because he's strapped for money goes to the bar with his buddy sees a black hole hovering above the train tracks touches it acts like a dick to the <laughs> to everyone <laughs> to the police he runs into who are also not the nicest <laughs> but it's just it's a it's not a lot happening and it's it's again that decompressed st storytelling but if you go back to like old comics, um, old first issues that introduced uh, these iconic characters, they were much more compressed, but a lot more happened. Uh, the drawback they had is they were much wordier. They had mm -hmm. a lot more to read. And this book actually had quite a lot of dialogue. But my, my beef with it is, okay, so you start off by talking about his financial straits. He's crying in the car before he picks up his, his, his ride. People. Right. But so it, that, that's awesome. But if it were me, I would completely cut out any mention of the financial hardship and just have him in the car stressing, pick up the guys and then reveal, then go meet his parents. And there's like this awkward tension where he's not telling them something, obviously. And then you go straight to the bar scene. He's there with his friend and his friend says, $38,000. If you're reading the book, that's a high impact moment for you. But you already know all that information. So it's just like, oh, we're, we're catching him up. So there's these moments where they repeat exposition that they, they really didn't need to. And then like, so you, and there are a couple of missed opportunities, man. So you have these two buddies at the pub, right? Like, okay, we all had a, a, a an inebriated friend that you either have one, uh, your friend either becomes a jerk or he becomes funny. And that <laughs> his, his buddy Marshall is, is dead up a riff on styles from Teen Wolf. So he's this like, he's even got the leather jacket and the black sweepy hair anyway, but he's obviously this, this comic relief character right yeah yeah so, so like why not play into him being drunk even more so you have they go he should the have bar. been the one to throw up but i think that they only used yeah. uh nathan because they wanted to show the 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 abilities of the helmet like yeah you yeah can't for get sure the visor off but like the helmet magically opened up so that you could vomit yeah well and that's yeah i'm sorry i cut you off no, 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 that's fine. No, nah, well, it's just, it's like, okay, so the, imagine how much funnier it would have been if, or and engaging, if Marshall had been like, no, no, dude, don't touch that thing. And he's like, <laughs> I'm not going to touch that thing. And he's like, maybe you should touch that thing. No, I'm not going to touch that. You know what I mean? Like, you have this, this drunk guy who, you have this whole different paradigm. Then he touches the thing. It's just, there were a lot of missed opportunities. It could have been a really, a really wonderful um, first issue. I think it has a ton of potential. I didn't like the reveal of the bad guy who is a mirror image of the hero. That has been done ad nauseum, I think. Um, 
And then um, I also thought that like when he touched the black hole, I just think that that was the anchor of the issue. It could have been played up for a lot more drama, but overall it was, it was cool to see something new. Um, I just, I just didn't love the writing and I thought the art had some opportunities while it was, it was still really slick looking in other areas. I like your points about the the writing actually, like mm -hmm. in terms of, I think actually how you just played that cut the beginning bit about the loan out and then introduced the, uh, the reason he moves home midway through the issue, like you said, with the mate, that would have been actually like much more impactful than, like I said, we, he kind of the writer drove this home a lot, like, mm -hmm. you know, in debt, issue, issue, you know, drama, 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 in debt, in debt, in debt, like, and it was like, okay, look, man, we get it. Like he's in debt. And, and yeah. you know, like we, we know he's in debt and you kind of, that was kind of, I guess, the basis of a lot of this issue. And yeah, and the, and the drunk, you know, when you said about the drunk thing with his mate, like, yeah, yeah, no, don't touch that, man. No, no, you should totally touch that. <laughs> it reminded me of, um, oh, man, I'm going to forget it now. There's a show over here. I've gone completely blank on what it's called. But, oh, The Inbetweeners, The Inbetweeners. Yeah. And, uh, um, it reminded me of The Inbetweeners. And um, if you watch The Inbetweeners. A long time ago, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So The Inbetweeners is a real British show, like, on, on Channel 4 over here. And... Like me and my brother and my friends, we all laugh about the Inbetweeners because it's so like real life. Like, and basically, it's like four four mates from school who like. There's a scene. Um, actually, there's a scene where one of them's drunk, and we laugh about this because uh, I don't know if you remember this. Like, one of the guys fancies um, uh, is, is this girl called Carly, and he gets this idea to get chalk and write on her parents' driveway that he loves her. Uh, and all and all and all and all his friends, all his friends who are sober, are, um, they're going, they're going, yeah, man, it's a totally good idea. Like and he's oh, like, no. he's absolutely smashed. Yeah. And they're, and, they're, and they're like, and he's like, yeah, man, like, like, she'll love this. And they're, and all they're like, yeah, yeah, she'll definitely love. It. Like, like, and and like, and like me and my brother, I remember watching it, like absolutely dying and going, yeah. This is the kind of thing that men do to each other, like, <laughs> like, like, like men, Courage, sti yeah. men, men stitch each other up all the time, like, and um, like, but in a, in a nice way, like, obviously, if your friend's in trouble, you obviously help each other out, but like, but these are the kind of things men do to each other, like, is stitch each other up, and like, so, and like me and my brother, like, we totally would do this to each other, like, even like me and my brother would totally do this to each other, or like friends or whatever, and like, but yeah, that would be like such a good moment to have his friend, like, yeah, man, you should totally touch this, like, you know, like. <laughs> you know like just just see what happens man like you know like, you know, I mean, I, you know like, I, I actually think if it was like an in-betweeners moment would be per perfect like yeah yeah i don't know yeah like you say they should have played more into the drunk thing so you know um, i don't think everybody can make that like funny serious balance and i go back yeah. to this because it was probably my favorite comic of last year but like firepower Firepower yeah. is definitely the kind of comic where stupid stuff like that happens all the time where the characters rib each other and yeah. like you're just so into the interaction between the characters but not everybody yeah. has the sort of strength to pull that off. Yeah, it actually reminded me a lot and I <clears throat> I know I already talked to a novel full about this book but it, it reminded me a lot of there's another book out by um I think it's Kari Andrews um called uh, Erratic. Um, it's kind of a, um, I don't know if you guys remember Axel Alonso. He was an editor at Marvel, yeah, editor-in-chief yeah, at Marvel. Um, I'm not a big fan, but the, the book looked awesome. It looks like a, a modern retelling of Spider-Man. That's really what they were going for. But it had a lot of the same 
problem. It just nothing was nothing was quite funny. Nothing was quite dramatic. It was all it's just safe, kind of right. Exactly. If, yeah. if you break it down, forward. this book is formulaic. It's safe, yeah. and it's it's decent. It's it's yeah. not terrible. It's not fantastic. It's passable. And I think yeah. maybe it could have been. Oh well, you know this is we we kind of want to hit, but we don't want to ruffle any feathers. So let's. I think I was gonna say what, what concern. I think what concerned me more was I don't know if you guys read the two pages at the back where he's talking about how this comic came about, and he literally is just talking about Power Rangers throughout the whole page, two pages. I know he wrote Power Rangers, and then he's talking about his love of Power Rangers, and he's sort of saying this this idea for this book kind of came out while he's writing Power Rangers, and then he's got he's introduced his superhero, you know, with this sort of was it black and black and blue theme or whatever and then and then we introduced the bad guy at the end he's got the same suit he's got a black and red theme and i'm like well what's gonna happen next issue we're gonna get black and green then we're gonna yeah, get black, black and, and white, pink like, black and blue black yeah. and yellow we'll is, make is the whole team so it, basically is this gonna be like I'm 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 nervous. Yeah, nervous that we're going to just end up with a Power Rangers book. Um, and I know there's a lot of hype behind this book, and I yeah, I'm concerned. But well, maybe we should leave it there with the review. But I think I feel like the three of us we're like it was okay. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, art wise, rating three point five. Story three. Middle of the road. Let's. I'll read a couple more issues see what happens but i yeah. will listen to other people that have read more issues <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it wasn't it was something new and it you know what i mean yeah. people are hungry for new superheroes i think i feel like i got my four dollars worth but um I, yeah. I probably won't be donating any more money into it yeah so. yeah my god you're still the baby who had his woodland animal corpses taken away. Isaac is still the indigent boy getting beaten in the streets, and Dracula is destroying the world in a tantrum because someone killed his pet breeder. You're all nothing but man-children. Moving right along to <laughs> Castlevania Season 2. All right. So back, same cast. We've added some new players, so... Um, in addition to the original cast from the first season, we've got new players, including Theo James, Adetta Kumba, McCormack, Jamie Murray, Jamie Murray, and Peter Stormare, who, oh my God, Peter Stormare, I just love. It doesn't matter what he's in. He's great. He's fantastic. He is stupidly funny. I love Peter Stormare. Yeah. Um, and for the record, Peter Stormare plays the guy he played in Armageddon in every freaking role that he is in. Tell me I'm wrong. I dare you. <laughs> um no yeah he definitely doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> to me he is always that crazy russian cosmonaut um anyway all right so castlevania season two we pick up pretty much where the first season left off the second season is 10 episodes so we got more than double the time to tell the story that we had in the first season and it works wonders to have 10 episodes to um expand on everything that we picked up in the first season um, we get a few more flashbacks. We get to see a bit about how Dracula put his army together or put his generals together, brought his war council together. Uh, we get a few flashbacks of Alucard when he was a kid and his mom was still alive. Um, basically, the second season is just telling a bigger story. Um, it's, it's nice to be able to have these additional characters that actually don't drag the story down. 
So everybody that comes along in the second season, um, I'd say they're, they're pretty important. Um, probably the most important of them would be uh, the character of Camilla or Carmilla, who's played by Jamie Murray, who was fantastic in Spartacus, by the way. Um, and Warehouse 13. <laughs> oh, she was in Warehouse 13. Yeah, she That's played H.G. Wells. Oh, man. I love Jamie Murray. She's great. Uh-huh. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of times when you have two villains in one season, it doesn't quite work out so well. But Dracula is not this big, bad, overbearing kind of villain that we think he is, like he is in the first season. So by the second season, Dracula has kind of been subdued just because and he says it himself in one of the episodes that he's just tired like he's he's been doing this for so long his his wife is dead and he's over it like he just wants this to be done he wants the humans dead and he doesn't care how that happens so he's still a villain but he is a very passive villain until sort of like the second to last episode of season two um and when carmilla steps in she is my favorite type of villain because she takes an inventory of what's happening and she plays everyone else to her fiddle perfectly. She is calculating. She is manipulative. She is brazen. She is bold. She is a fantastic foil to everyone. She's, she's a foil to Dracula. She's a foil to Hector. She's a foil to our trio of heroes in, in Trevor, Sifa, or Sifa and uh, Alucard. She, she plays the villain so well and one of my favorite things about the second season was how she sets herself up as the big bad for season three, just by her sheer will. Basically she, she is the type of woman that she said that she has spent too much time at the, at under the thumb of old men. And she is tired of dealing with tired old men. And just the way that she's just kind of like, I'm not doing this again. You called me out here to be part of your vampire council. I'm telling you what we should be doing and you couldn't care less. I'm not doing this. I'm not wasting any more time. What we need to do is go to Brayla. We need to do X, Y, Z, and I'm going to make it happen. And if you won't give the word, then I'm going to take your pawns and I'm going to make your pawns work in my favor. Um, so the, the interaction between all of the characters in this season is, is so much better. I think it's just because the the depth of the characters gives everyone a bit more to work with um there's kind of a lot of contrast in this season so you've got dracula and like i said he's tired he's over it he just wants the humans dead period he doesn't care how it happens he doesn't care how long it takes he whatever you need to do it's fine just do it as long as they die i don't care um versus carmilla who like i said she's very calculating she's very manipulative she has a plan and her plan has much much bigger aspirations than just turning you know, the, the humans into cattle. You've also got Hector and Isaac. Now, Hector and Isaac are humans that Dracula has drafted into his sort of gravity, if you will. Um, Hector is unfortunate. Hector is the kind of guy, he's a nice guy. Um, he was wronged when he was a child and he never quite recovered from that. So basically Hector is just kind of a bit naive. He's he's very gentle. He's He's... Now they're necromancers in my book, but in in the uh, in the series they call them forge masters. So they bring dead things back to life. So Hector is the forge master, but he used his power when he was much younger to bring dead animals back to life. So he had he was always surrounded by dead pets. Um, so Farming. he's just 
<laughs> so he's just the kind of guy that like that's that's his speed like he he understands the world in terms of the people who control the pets or the people who control the animals and and everything kind of falls into those categories isaac on the other hand um which, by the way, Isaac is my absolute favorite character in this entire, entire series. Uh, he is dark. He is so dark. He's so dark. He's so, like, broken. Uh, but he is so driven. And he is so faithful to his task. Uh, him and Hector, again, the two humans that Dracula has drafted. Uh, Isaac is also a forge master. So he also brings things back, to, back from the dead. But Isaac hates humans just as much as Dracula does because of the way that he was mistreated. Um, now, I don't really know if they meant to play it up this way, like on purpose, but uh, Isaac is black and he has a uh, sort of like a, a thick, uh, quote unquote, generic, like African accent. Um, so his, his abuse, which you see flashbacks of him being abused, his abuse all comes at the hands of his white owners. Uh, so there's definitely like the whole master slave aspect that play with him but Isaac sort of turned everything to his advantage and became the the awful thing so that he was not he was no longer treated badly by the awful things that happened to him um, now he never sought out violence he never sought out people to harm but he basically was the kind of guy like if you leave me alone, I, I, I will leave you alone and everybody is fine. We don't have an issue. Um, so contrasting Isaac and Hector, Isaac is faithful. He is so loyal to Dracula because Dracula treated him well and they had the same agenda. Um, and it's almost heartbreaking at the very end of the uh, season when the castle is being stormed by uh, Trevor and Alucard and Sypha and Isaac is like, okay, look, Dracula, stay behind me. I'm going to fight to the death and I'm going to do what I can to make sure that you stay alive because you have too much knowledge. You have too much, too much capability. You're too important to lose to these people. And it's, it's sort of like, it almost feels like Isaac would be the only other person besides Lisa, his Dracula's wife, that he has some sort of affection toward. Um, and he sends Isaac away because he does not want Isaac to die for him. Um, which of course sets up Isaac to be this terrible, terrible force in the third season, but that's a whole other story. Um, so just, just the contrast between like Hector and Isaac, like again, Hector, by the end of the episode, Hector was the one that kind of turned on Dracula to help Carmilla's cause and his payment for that is she has now turned Hector into a pet. And at the yeah. very end of the episode, now maybe this is just sadistic of me, but like at the end of the episode, Hector is in chains he is being dragged behind Carmilla's horse. He has been beaten. And she has said, look, I brought my army here to fight Dracula. My army has been decimated. I'm going to need new troops. And that means you, as a forge master, are going to make them for me. So put the chain around your neck, drag you behind my horse, and we're going back to my hometown, and we're going to make this work. And so like, it's, it's almost like Hector gets his just desserts. But you kind of feel bad for him just because, again, he's so naive and just doesn't doesn't quite understand that he has been manipulated in the way that he has. Yeah. Um, but I thought that, that that whole aspect, the differences between Hector and Isaac is probably my favorite part of the way that they play these characters against each other in the second season. Um, also, you see, this, you see this contrast again with Alucard and Trevor. Um, 
just but but the thing the difference with them is they, they sort of are both aloof like yeah. you could boil it down to like these guys are both idiots um so like the ribbing that they have with each other it almost feels brotherly like I don't really know that that would go as far as to say that they like each other. They tolerate each other. Um, but seeing them interact and the jabs, and it's like the jabs at the most inappropriate times, like when uh, I think it's sort of the middle of the season when the hell spawns are trying to break into the Belmont keep and they're arguing over, well, who's going to do which task. And it's, it's basically <laughs> like, okay, there are monsters like knocking at the door. Yeah. Do we really have time to sit here and rib each other? <laughs> um, so I really love that we get more interaction between Alucard and Trevor. Um, and I think the end of the season, the season ends on Alucard alone in this castle, in his mm-hmm. old bedroom, his old childhood bedroom, bawling his eyes out uh, at either the fact that he is now completely alone, he has killed his father. His mother died a long time ago. Um, and you just, you can't help but feel sorry for Alucard because he just seems like the guy that got the short end of the stick in this entire season. You yeah. you fought so hard to stop your father. And by the end, I think Dracula even realized like, oh my God, I'm killing my son. Um, and so like they're fighting through the castle. It's a, it's a big, almost like two episode fight sequence. They're fighting through the castle. They finally wind up again in Alucard's old bedroom. And when Dracula realizes where they are, where they're fighting, he just kind of stops and he's like, oh my God, Lisa, like I'm killing our boy. I am, I am literally killing our son. And he's the only, other than you, he's the only good thing that I have brought into this world. Um, so it's, it's very touching actually, the, the sort of death sequence between the son having to kill the father. Um, season two was definitely emotional it was way more emotional than the first season you get drawn into all of these characters uh i i I found myself way more attached to people that i didn't that i wasn't as attached to in the first season um but really i just i fell in love with all of the new characters from the second season so Mm -hmm. i i enjoyed it it's personally my favorite of the three seasons there is a season four supposedly there is no release date anytime soon for a season four but season two is above and beyond the best of the three in my opinion so that's, that's it we can go home now we, uh, <laughs> can't, can't, uh, like, go on Stephen. what do you think what? uh man well you kind of picked two things that i have a lot of yeah so when i was a kid man my fa- I've, i told you guys i'm not great at first person shooters and the hardcore gaming scene uh but i love like these platforming adventure games so castlevania the first one it it was all right i thought it was kind of fun that was back when you played whatever video game you you had or your Mm -hmm. buddy had so i played it and it was fine and then i got uh castlevania 2 simon's quest and it blew my tiny brain i loved that (laughs) thinking game and it was it was awesome had elements of role-playing games questing all this kind of stuff and then what uh castlevania 3 uh you had these three different characters you unlocked a different character as you moved through the game and you had to use a different character at different moments like there was a thief that you would use named grant that you would use to scale the walls of cat of uh, the clock tower in in uh, dracula's castle and then alucard to my knowledge that's where alucard was introduced and it's funny because he was he was a, a dracula derivative not the dracula from castlevania but like the, the classic 50s monster Dracula with the pointy hair uh-huh. and the, 
the straight posture and the ruffles and the, the you know, all of the cornball stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he could turn into a bat and all that stuff. But it was just – so when I was young, I fell in love with Castlevania. And then Castlevania 4 I played and loved. And I, I quit playing games um, for a long, long time until like four or five years ago. And I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. I'm not just bloating the front time. <laughs> <laughs> so like four years ago, I'm messing around on my Xbox. I'm a cheapskate, so I'm looking for games that are a bargain. And I run across a Castlevania game that's on the Microsoft Store called Symphony of the Night. And my roommate played it, and he loved it. And I was like, I'll give it a try. Holy crap. Metroid, <laughs> Metroid was my other favorite game series. Symphony of the Night is like Metroid meets classic Castlevania. It was like 40 hours of just ridiculous fun. And it's this... It has this very self-important story. It's very like over the top. Everybody talks like they're just this powerhouse. It's a, every, it, everything is a caricature, but it's like dripping in it and it's on purpose and it's fun mm -hmm. and it's, it's really gory. There are bloody moments for 16 bit graphics, 64 bit graphics. You know what I mean? So with all that in context, that is exactly what this Netflix series is. Mm -hmm. And season two for a kid that that played um, Castlevania Three and Symphony of the Night, this is a really good expansion and continuation reinterpretation of that story, because you play this game where Alucard is navigating Dracula's castle. You don't know exactly why. the The game doesn't tell you a perfect reason why. So it's like, if you dig Castlevania as an IP, this series is. It's like a, a dream come true. It's it's uh, as close to like the Mandalorian for Star Wars fans. Uh huh. Castlevania people, old school video video game people are are. On a, it's not exactly a one for one, but it's the same thing. So I'm in heaven every time I'm watching that. It's the goriest freaking cartoon I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's in that case you need to watch Seis Manos. Seis oh gosh. <laughs> well, Manos it's so good. Is it really? Well, and it's. But that's the thing. The things that I love about this show are things other people will hate. It is mm -hmm. very heavy-handed, very oh, yeah. caricatured. Um, like, they don't pull any punches. And there's one scene where the elder vampires go into this village because they're tired of eating pig's blood that's been in the castle. Yeah. Yeah, and they just literally <laughs> murder an entire village in one night. Oh, and gosh. it's so yeah. gross and gory. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And Godbrand is the, oh, one yeah. of the funniest characters in an anime that Who I've Who is Peter seen. Stormare's character. Yep. He's hilarious. Yes, he's, he <laughs> he's, I'm a Viking. I'm supposed to make boats. Yeah. <laughs> but his, it's just uh, that just reminds me of uh, I am Russian cosmonaut, uh, yeah. you know, like uh, I'm, yeah. Kevin, I'm like, telling you, I'm he a... plays that Russian cosmonaut in every movie he's in. He was even yep. the same character when he was in Constantine. Um, yeah, prison, he's totally... uh, he was brilliant. Oh no, in Prison Break, he did play. Uh, I mean, he was Russian again, but he was uh, like a Russian Prison uh, Break cr criminal. Count. Cr <laughs> he, well, he was brilliant. He was Prison uh, Prison Break's brilliant. I'm like, just playing. Uh, no, no, no. But do, do you know what? Actually, when I watched the lot, okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm starting to cut Stephen off. But sorry, no, you're fine. Um, when I, do you know what? Actually, it's really weird because I thought about Prison Break when I was watching the last episode of season two. Because um, yep. I remember. Um, so, did you guys watch Prison Break or not? Like, first season, yeah, and then I flaked. Did you watch, did, okay, yeah. Did you? Yeah, the first season. No, because the first season's like where my point was. Did you watch any of the first season or not? Not at all, Jasmine. Okay, so I know what Prison Break is. I never watched it. Okay, so in the first season, I remember the creators saying something. So in the last two episodes of season one, um, spoiler, uh, they broke out. <laughs> <All> and, <right>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in a show called Prison Break. 
Yeah. Anyway, but no, but I remember the crate. So on the last two episodes of season one, you see a little bit of the people that broke out on the run, right? Um, and a kind of that kind of setting up what because season two is just purely them on the run, and they mm-hmm. set up they kind of wanted and they said something like they wanted to show the audience a little bit of what to expect in season two, and so when this ended this um, uh, with Castlevania, where obviously uh, Dracula, um, you know, was the big bad of Castlevania season what well, season one and two, yeah. and when he was defeated in episode seven and and then we got episode eight i was a bit like oh what are they going to do next episode like and um so see so the final episode was obviously showing everybody like moving on moving on uh, but also setting up season three Mm -hmm. and it's and and you don't see that too often done in a show normally like the bad guys kind of defeated and then there might be a few sort of fleeting moments and then the show you know, moves yep. on, you know, the season ends, etc. But you don't often see like a lot of the characters wrapped up, but also teased, teased what was going to happen in the next yeah. season. And there was a lot of uh, set up to um, uh, what's his what's his name? Um, Isaac, Isaac, I was thinking oh, of. Yeah. Yes. Oh no, yeah. no, tre- tre- no, Trevor, Trevor, and um, Cipher. I thought was quite there was some quite nice moments of them off with a horse and car yep. mm-hmm. and, and clearly the beginning of a sort of romantic relationship and um but i thought with isaac him in the desert and then <laughs> me, me and those guys and it felt to me like that well it felt to me like they were leading camilla to be a big bad for next season but it felt like isaac's also going to become a big bad yep. in oh, man. season three like, i can't so, wait until next week yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you don't often see that that kind of setup done. You would normally yeah. see that start in episode one of season three, like that. You know, the, yeah. A lot of know. times they leave it on a cliffhanger, right? They like yeah. leave you a hint yeah. that this may happen. But they did an excellent job. They used that final episode to set up the villains for the next season. Yeah. So you're already well, and- invested because you spent the entire second season with these characters, and then the very last episode, it's showing you that if you thought that they were you know powerful now just wait wait until you see what happens in the third season with these characters yeah so so i thought i'd like it was quite critical of season one felt it was rushed and sloppy um a lot put you know kind of i guess a bit like um radiant black how it was just rushed first issue i felt like it was a rushed first season of um uh of castlevania so i would be happy to tell you that uh I thought season two was much better. Um, <laughs> there was better, better pacing, better acting, better action sequences. Mm-hmm. I honestly felt like there was better character arcs here, and oh, I yeah. felt like we got. I felt you know one of the things I was thinking was we got to linger in parts of the characters' mm-hmm. worlds. The world building and mythology was there. You know, it was a it was a much stronger second season. It's a shame that season one was so short. Um, you know, like I, I don't know, season one's done and dusted now. So, but I, I, there, there was bits that were intriguing me. So when they went to Trevor Belmont's um, old house and they were in the library, but they weren't even rushing through the library. It was like almost right. like a whole episode just set in the library, and I was like, you don't even see that often in like live action shows. Like right. you know, but like, they used uh, it to great effect because they showed you that was the episode where you finally get to like see the differences between Trevor and Alucard, where yeah. where Trevor is kind of like. Oh, you know, I'm let's rush in head first or we're going to fight this or we're going to we're going to figure it out later. Whereas Alucard is kind of like the quiet, subdued one. And Sypha is the one who says it feels like everybody is lonely. But when I'm standing next to Alucard, I feel like I am standing in a cold spot. It is 
but you know at least when i'm standing next to trevor i can poke you or i can make fun of you and i'll get a reaction whereas when i'm standing with alucard i don't have that yeah well and they they um did some cool stuff with saifa in the library where she is kind of not questioning but like juxtapositioning that awesome history recorded mm-hmm. word against the speaker's philosophy of never recording history just right. having oral traditions um i thought that she, was kind of neat yeah she was like we're idiots we should be we should be writing <laughs> everything down <laughs> yeah the only other thing i wanted to say was i i <clears throat> if it, it has a couple of like very anime tropes that if you if you're used to anime you'll you'll be fine with it but if you're not it can be kind of jarring like the the all-powerful undefeatable bad guy that mm-hmm. dracula is like there's no way that anyone could defeat him even in weakened state that he is in season two um so it it's it, it makes for an interesting fight because it's all dialogue really you know that they're not gonna they're not gonna mm-hmm. defeat him um and when he is defeated it it's because of a because change he allows it right yeah and that's that's the only other piece that if again if you're used to anime it, it's um it's kind of a a method where you have an a massive epiphany that changes you in a moment mm-hmm. but it it can be jarring because there's there's absolutely no build-up to that you know what i mean and in america in a more um, and honestly uh the writer of this series is uh, is not japanese but you can tell that he's following some of those traditions mm-hmm. um whereas in an american series Alucard and Dracula would have been there would have been hints of him loving his son yeah um, whereas otherwise he just sees him in his his hate is blinding him but anyway it's it's it might be a little um I I loved it but like I said it's um it's a taste thing <laughs> yeah I also love how uh, that they played Dracula and Carmilla against each other and Dracula and Carmilla mm-hmm. are the two oldest incarnations of vampires like in fictional literature and yeah. Carmilla actually predates Dracula by about uh, almost 30 years, the, the, the book that she first appeared in. But her character in, in literature is pretty much the same. She was a woman that was abused and she just got fed up with, the, with, with men. And she was like, I don't need them. And I'm going to show them that women are not just an accessory. Like women, basically Carmilla is the type of woman. She's like, women get shit done. Um, <laughs> and so I just, I, lo- I also love that juxtaposition. Like, the, the, mm-hmm. the most famous vampire in the world versus like the the first vampire that in recorded yeah. like, literature so so i look forward to next week's season three <laughs> we'll, no, you know it's been nice though, throughout this month just to follow like a show through like and um get to season three and you know not not just i don't know like try and do all three seasons in one week would have been crazy but uh <laughs> But it's been quite. I think I've quite enjoyed the the format that we've had throughout Geeks and Nicks yeah, this month. Yeah, this has been you know. fun, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, something old yeah. with something new. Yeah. Well, yeah, with the new comics every week, mm-hmm. and and you know, uh, and doing Castlevania, and we've got something similar planned throughout March as well. Um, a movie series that we'll follow through. You'll find out more soon. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we fought over this rating we've yeah. given it we a... strong-armed mark basically <laughs> St- Stephen and i strong-armed mark and we got the rating that we wanted <laughs> I, think you, I think you wanted higher but uh <laughs> 4.5 out of five you sound yeah, like yeah, that yeah. really bothers you mark <laughs> <laughs> and i will i will make the concession that some people will just won't enjoy it i mean it's a, it's not for everyone for sure yeah. like 
but if you love it you'll love it It, mm -hmm. it's you like star trek (laughs) (laughs) i love star trek anyway exactly and my brother hates it (laughs) (laughs) but he's dumb so (laughs) (laughs) you're not going to tell him about geeks and niche are you (laughs) (laughs) yeah Never know. Uh, our apologies to Stephen's brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on Geeks on Niche, Stephen's brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Or definitely not Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, anyway, recommendations uh, time of the week. So, unlike me, I will be recommending some music. So, the Bastille released an EP at the end of last week, at the end of last year, uh, called Goosebumps. But there's one song that particularly I loved and sang so much of last year. And really weirdly, I was singing it as writing my notes up for this week. And I thought, this is so fitting with everything that's going on. It's called Surviving. <laughs> so, uh, honestly, just there's just so many lines in here. Like, I tell you what, I'm not going to lie say i've been all right because it feels like i've been living upside down <laughs> so, um i can't sing honestly but like <laughs> i have no ch- i cannot carry a tune um was it we should all sing it like yeah i'm not gonna lie i was it was it i'm was it i'm gonna was it what can i say i'm surviving i'm gonna be fine i'm gonna be fine he's really trying to drive it home but i was like i was like as i was had it in my ears and i was thinking i listen to this song all the time at the moment i was can i keep thinking this is the last 12 months i am surviving <laughs> mm-hmm. so but yeah i mean that might i don't know yeah. i kind of just just feel, I, I kind of feel like when people talk about covid i just keep thinking i'm surviving I, i'm yeah. just surviving <laughs> and i thought what a great tune to have released during this time so listen to surviving and tell me tell me that you're not surviving do you, who do you, who did you say it was from uh the bastille yeah okay so awesome. if you like indie music even if you don't like indie music, to be honest, listen to it. So, <laughs> there's a great little moment where suddenly a saxophone just kicks in, and I'm like, "Where'd that come from?" So, uh, anyway, they're an English indie pop band, but, but yeah. So, look, you guys, I, mean, I always say this: America, you do the TV and the movies. We'll release maybe two or three good shows a year, but we've got the music covered. Like, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've we've got better music. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, okay. It's a whole other podcast, sir. You've got a couple of good bands. I'll give you that. But, uh, anyway. A couple? Relax. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> All right. So in keeping in line with my usual, my recommendation this week is an anime. It is called Horimiya. You can stream it on Funimation. Horimiya is a high school anime. Um, it is about this girl, Kyoko uh, Hori, and a guy, Izumi uh, Miyamura. And they are sort of hiding their true selves. Uh, Hori is the kind of girl, her mom works a lot. So Hori does a lot of the housework, takes care of her brother, picks her brother up from daycare, that kind of thing. Uh, she's very domestic, but at school, she's like the popular kid that everybody wants to hang around. Um Miyamura is sort of in his not school life. He has piercings up the wazoo. He is tattooed. Uh, but at school, he is the nerdy kid with glasses. Uh, so they, they have very different sort of outside of school lives. And it is basically just a slow burn kind of 
love story about these two uh, falling for each other. It's really sweet. It's really cute. I really enjoy it. And I actually look forward to it. It's one of the few, if not only things that I keep up with week to week. So, so far there have been five episodes of Horimiya. You can, again, stream it on Funimation. Um, my suggestion is actually uh, Symphony of the Night. It's a Castlevania game that was originally released on the, the original PlayStation and several other platforms. Um, it's available right now on the, the PlayStation Store and the uh, Microsoft Store um, for Xbox. And it's if you enjoy um, any of the Castlevania games, Metroid, the, the, the 2D versions uh or the netflix series it's a, it's just a, a nice delve back into that world um and it's a it's a pretty long game you can play it anyway i won't spoil it but you get to play it twice if you play it right it's awesome so i do love stuff like that i used to be a big fan of um sonic the hedgehog the original like the platform yeah. basically going from left to right <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> yeah but I, do, do, I don't know like if you remember like i had um i remember my dad um had one of the first ever laptops, which was about ten inches thick, like and um, <laughs> and it like had like a green LCD screen. But I remember like playing um, like he had this game of like Jetpack, like and um, you say so with the screen you could move around the screen, and then if you went through a door, the entire screen would change. Like and I don't know if you remember, I can't remember what the game was called, but it was like you had a jetpack and you could like. You'd have to, yeah. be able to fly, fly up, and then you'd be in the next screen, and then like so. It was kind of stuff like that. Like I kind of, I, I did enjoy those sort of platformy type things when I was younger. Uh, I'll have a look at this. Yeah, it's nine bucks or ten bucks. Oh, you can't beat that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so next week on Geeks and Niche, we're going to review our first Scout comic review, which is going to be Black Cotton issue one, and we're going to finish our series of Castlevania with season three of Castlevania on Netflix, which all 10 episodes I will have to fit into next week. We are also on myself and Jasmine will be on pop culture philosophers, YouTube channel streaming live February 18th um, at 6 PM central time. Yeah. So come hang. Nice. <laughs> this is me. So yeah, Steven, you got oh, it coming up or anything going on? Anything you want to tell us about? No, uh, honestly, man, I'm always working on comics and, and drawing and that kind of thing. It's a just <clears throat> Fox storytelling. Um, that's what, what I am everywhere. So you can find me most places except the ones that will get me in trouble. So. <laughs> <laughs> and as a reminder, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our fourth Late to the Party book club episode was Monstrous Awakening Volume 1, which is written by Marjorie Liu and drawn by Santa Takeda. That episode dropped at the beginning of January, so check it out. And our next graphic novel is going to be March Volume 1, which is by Andrew Iden and the late Congressman John Lewis. You can follow us on social media. Uh, we are Geeks Unleashed everywhere. Geeks Unleashed Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yeah, and you can listen. You can find this podcast anywhere that you can find podcasts. Really, um, from Podbean, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, give us a, star, a five star review and share it with other geeky friends who might have interest in, in this kind of content. It's here on a consistent basis, and it's always fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Anyway, thank you for listening, and stay geeky. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.